This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, due to the length of our programs tonight, it's straight to the action, and we begin with Gunsmoke. Around Dodge City and in the territory on West, there's just one way to handle the killers and the spoilers, and that's with the U.S. Marshal and the smell of gun smoke. Preacher, I figure I'm making you dance some for the folks. You think you can hoorah me? Dude, I said dance. Dance or the next shot will take off one of your toes. I don't think I'd like that. Doc, no. All right, so I'm put up the gun. Marshal, you got a wild and woolly town here. Marshal, you move aside. I'm going to make this grinning dude kick up his heels for us. I'd say that might be quite a trick, Thorne. Unless he's changed a lot since I last met him. Have you, Doc? Not for the good, Matt. <laughs> I was afraid. For you pasty face tenderfoot. I said for Shut you... Shut up, Thorne. He's drunk, Doc. He's dead. You just don't know it yet. I'll take it good if you'd meet me later at my office. All right, Matt. For you. Well, that's sure a lot of talk. Now I'm going to shoot that dude's boot heels. Fire one shot and I'll pistol with you, Thorne. What's that? You're kind of forgetting who's holding a gun, ain't you? I wasn't forgetting. Oh, my wrist. You broke my wrist. I doubt it. Now let's go to jail. Oh, you can't put me in jail. I'm Thorne Finley. Move. Oh, you wait like hell, Big Jack, about this. And I will, too. Do that. He might be grateful to me for saving your neck. You pulled some fool stunts, Thorne, but you've never been closer to dying than just a minute ago. You mean from that fancy pants? 
Oh, I could handle six like him. That makes you a lot of men. I can name a dozen pretty good gun hands who can't handle one of it. What? That's Doc Holliday. White Herb gets through. He is the peacemakingest man I ever met outside of you. <laughs> Matt, who was the tallahead down at the depot anyway? No, Thorn. He's just a spoiled kid. Kid? Couldn't be much younger than you. Sure, but Thorn never grew up. His father has coddled him and protected him and gotten him out of scrapes ever since he was a pup. He's never had to be a man. Not with Big Jack Wetners, isn't he? Big Jack. Big Jack Finley. Oh, you know him? I've heard of him. Well, that figures. He owns about half of Kansas. Star in a box runs more cows than he can count. Swings a lot of weight and dodge. Yeah, too much. Mr. Dillon? Mr. Dillon, somebody said that Doc Holliday had come into town today and he... Oh, excuse me. <laughs> it's all right, Chester. Why don't you shake hands with him? Don't mind if I shake with my left hand. It's kind of habit. Yeah, I know. Mr. Dillon has the same habit. He would. How about dinner tonight, Matt? Sure, sure. <coughs> How long will you be in Dodge? Not long. <coughs> Just till I finish a chore. Uh-huh. That uh, chore have anything to do with Big Jack Finley? Might say so. It's gonna kill him. You, uh, forgot to close the door, Mr. Finley. You're going to turn my boy loose? I'm going to have to do it for you. You got a writ of habeas corpus? Writ? Thorn didn't commit no crime. The charges are drunk and disorderly, disturbing the peace, and attempted assault with a deadly weapon. I was. You still need a writ. But man, Judd Nathan does what I say, and you know it. Don't you think I can get a writ? I'm sure you can and will. You always do. Then what's the point, Dylan? It's just a lot of useless red tape. It's a law. Close the door on the way out. All right, Thorne. Didn't I tell you Big Jack would get me out? When are you going to learn you can't save the speech? The law can't touch a Finley. You ought to get smart, Marshal. Like you? Sure, like me. Hi, Big Jack. You okay, son? Fine. Anything else, Mr. Finley? Why, yes. Uh, uh, my boy here is a little boisterous sometimes. I know. High-spirited, you understand? Uh-huh. So? 
So, I want to put a stop to all this nonsense of yours, arresting him every time he kicks up his heels a bit. Go on. Well, I'm offering you a job. Let's say, protecting my interests. Two hundred a month. And no work, naturally. <laughs> I see we understand each other perfectly. No work, of course. All I have to do is just shut my eyes whenever Junior here breaks the law, huh? I said we understand each other. There's no need to elaborate on it, Dylan. There's a big need. Only how do I explain to a person like you that some men don't wear a price tag? Huh? How do I explain how I feel about a so-called respectable citizen making the law his private doormat? Hey, you're nothing but the stupid gunman I've always thought you were. I understand you took the part of Doc Holliday against my son. I kept Thorne from committing suicide, yeah. You sided with a notorious killer against an important citizen of this community. Now I'm telling you, Dylan. Holiday. I don't want him in Dodge tomorrow. Doc may be a gunfighter, but he's clear with the law, Finley, and a better man than your son will ever be. What? Why, I... That hurts, doesn't it? You... I'm serving notice, Marshal. You run that killer out of Dodge City, or I'll do it myself. Big Jack Finley. Cattleman and self-made king of southern Kansas. No better or worse than most of the men carving empires out of the West. Until love for his son blinded him to the fact that Thorne Fenley had gone bad. And from here on, I knew the war was on between Big Jack and me. So Big Jack Fenley's going to run me out of town, huh? No. Unless I do it first. Oh? I do something naughty, man? Well, you threaten a man's life. <laughs> that... <laughs> <laughs> and just between friends, man. Anything else, Doc? Not murder. Murder? I can give him an even break. With you, that's still murder. Uh, don't you think you better tell me about it? Mm-hmm. What if I don't tell you? Now then, my job's to warn Fenley and try to protect him. You're a tough man to be friends with, man. It applies to you, too, doesn't it? Guess maybe it does at that. Didn't realize I put you on the spot by spouting off my good intentions. Sorry. Oh, forget it, forget it. You want to talk to me? <coughs> All right. Remember a girl named Ruth Davis? Mm-hmm. Died in a riding accident a few months ago. Always wondered if it wasn't suicide. She lost her brother two weeks before that. No accident. No suicide. You sure? Sure. You know, Ruth and her brother ran the ranch alone. Mm -hmm. A man started pestering Ruth, and she hated him. Her brother kicked the man off the ranch. This fellow dragged Gulf's Ruth's brother made it look like a robbery. You have any proof of this? Yeah. Ruth was afraid to go to the law, so she sent a letter to me. Yeah, read it yourself. She says the man was Finley and says she expects him to try and shut her up for good. Well, that doesn't mean it's Big Jack. I went to see Ruth's folks. They had her belongings. Among them, I found this. Hmm. Watch chain. Engraved J.F. on the clasp. Jack Finley. You see why I've got to kill him, Matt? He forced Ruth's horse over that cliff, sure. But do you still think she died accidental? No. But who's responsible is something for a court to decide. Court? 
With Finley's money and influence, he wouldn't spend five days in jail even if he was convicted, which he wouldn't be. He doesn't own the court. Maybe not, but it's still the most powerful man in the state against a dead girl whose only friend is Doc Holliday. How do you think a judge will decide? Doc, I'm going to ask you a favor. Make it one I can give. I got an idea, but uh, you must let me handle it my way. Give the law a chance. All right, Matt, I can wait. Thank you. I'll keep this letter in chain for a while. All right, but if the law fails, I'll brace Big Jack Finley when he walks out of the courthouse. And you'll be bracing two men, Doc. Finley and me. Fine day. Well, you're up kind of early just to bring me a weather report, aren't you, Judge Nathan? Huh? Oh, well, I I want to see you. Now go right ahead. You mind if I finish shaving? No, no, please do. Just thought I'd chat with you about the about uh, the families. Uh-oh. Uh, yes. It seems that Big Jack's very upset by your attitude. I'm not surprised. Feels you're a little rough on his boy. I am. Then his boy's a little rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, perhaps Thorne is high-spirited, like uh, yesterday. Yesterday he was just plain high. Tell me, Judge Nathan, how do you like being on Fenley's payroll? Uh, what? You know, you used to be a pretty decent person. Oh, you can't talk to me like Yes, that. I can. I'm sending a copy of Thorne's record to the governor. Governor. And with it, I'm sending a list of the writs you've issued to get him out of jail and a copy of the court records. I've only tempered my justice with mercy, that's all. Thorne's been arrested for 18 offenses, convicted of 10, spent no time in jail, and paid a total of $15 in fines. I'd say you've been very merciful. Um, you said you were sending this to the governor. You haven't actually mailed it yet? No. You got an out. Not that I don't feel justified in any decisions I've made, but uh, such a report might cause undue talk at the Capitol. And ruin your political hopes. Well, my conditions are simple. Get off Finley's payroll now. Very well. And give me cooperation from here on, no matter who's involved. Do that and I shelve the report. I'll do it. Mr. Dillon, trouble to make it. What kind of trouble, Chester? It's Big Jack Finley, Mr. Dillon. He's rounding up his crew at the Alfraganza. They're going to ride Doc Holliday out of town on a rail. Did you cut yourself shaving? Smoke in just a moment, but first, don't forget starting Monday, CBS Radio's tremendous news staff will start bringing you the complete coverage of the Democratic Convention in Chicago. 
As you found during the Republican convention, CBS Radio never misses. So starting Monday, stay with CBS Radio all day and evening for the Democratic convention. Now, the second act of Gunsmoke. Hunch, Marshal. 
Well, Thorne is your man, just like you figure. He had a yen for the Davis girl, but he kept it quiet. Because he didn't want it known, she throwed him over. But the watch chain. Big Jack gave that to Thorne on his 25th birthday. Whole ranch can testify to that. Mm. Good. All right, thank you, Moncrief. You, uh, gonna try and arrest Thorne? Why? If Big Jack believes Thorne killed that girl, it'll break his heart. Broke her neck. If he don't believe it, then he'll protect Thorne. And, Marshal, there's not enough lawmen in the state of Kansas to make Big Jack give up his son. Wonder which has heard the worst. Uh-uh. What's that? Why, I, uh... Judge, I'm here on business. Oh, of course. Uh, come in, won't you? In my study here, so we won't be disturbed. Now, what is it, Marshal? I want you to swear out a warrant for Thorn Finley's arrest. Charge murder. I'm sure. <coughs> All right, hold up your right hand. Oh, no, Matt, you wouldn't make me a lawman. If you go, you go as my deputy. I'm not letting you make this a private fight. And with my friends, if they hear I wore a star. All right, Matt, it's your show. You swear to uphold and enforce the laws of this community, the state of Kansas, and the United States to the best of your ability as deputy marshal, so help you God. All of that? All of that. I swear. Here, put on this badge. All right, man. You know, I'm feeling this badge is going to cramp my style something terrible. Better breathe our horses going up through this pass. We've still got a good ride ahead. How far? Oh, about ten miles. Mm-hmm. What do you think, Matt? Will they fight? Well... If you touch a gun butt, you're handy at this bushwhacking, aren't you, Thorn? If Doc's all right, my slug seems to have bounced off his thick skull. Good. Uh, let's pull your teeth. Uh, better you do it. With your left hand, reach down and across slow. Pull your gun out with your fingertips and toss it away. Nervous? Just cautious. Or maybe this queen doesn't exist, huh, Thorn? Queen! 
Weems one of Dad's men, but uh, I pay him extra to work for me. Any more questions? I guess not. There's my gun. The rifle next. I, uh... I got a penknife in my pants pocket. You know why Holiday came to Dodge? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you do. You wouldn't be riding with him. Well, he's not going to tell any stories to my dad or anyone else. Uh, you can't kill us, you stupid... Not planning on killing you. And what have you got planned? A queen's kind of a magician. He's going to make Holiday just disappear. Folks won't care much about one of his kinds. I would. I'd care so much I'd hang you for it. No. No, with Holiday gone, it's your word against mine. And you won't be able to approve a thing, Dylan. You sure of that? I'm sure. Otherwise, I'd take care of you along with Holiday. Now, get out and start walking back to town. It's like I told you. Law can't touch a Finley. It was no time for heroics, so I walked. When I reached a turn, I cut back through the rocks, but it was too late. They were gone. And with them, the horses, guns, and Doc Holliday. Two miles up the road, I found my horse turned loose. And with a mind full of cold hate, I raced onto the star in a box. On the front porch of the ranch house was one of Big Jack's men. Hold it right there. Out of my way, mister. I'm in no mood to shake hands. Where are you heading, lawman? You don't hear well. Where's Holiday? Friend? How should I know? Get off my ranch. And where's that prize son of yours? What? Trot him out. I want him. Do you now? What on earth for? Thorn, put that gun away. Oh, no. This is just in case the marshal loses his temper. I've lost it, Junior. Sure. Dylan, I've had all I'm going to stand from you. You just think you have. Where's Holiday, Thorn? Where'd Queen take him? Holiday? Why, well, I haven't the faintest idea. Where is Queen, Dad? The righty fence line, but... See, Marshal, we don't know where your friend is. You're under arrest, Thorn. What's that? Ask him to show the warrant. Here. Read it, Finley. Oh, oh no. No, th th that's not possible. The judge wouldn't issue a warrant without proof. He has proof, Thorn. This is a lie. Thorn couldn't be guilty of murder. No. Take a look at his face. Son. Daddy's trying to frame me. J don't let him get away with this. No, I won't. I won't. Get out, Dylan. Man, open your eyes. This is not going to help you. You heard me. I don't believe you, your warrant, or your proof. I believe my son. So get off this ranch. Get out of the state. You let me see you again, so help me, I'll kill you myself. Forget me. You're bucking the law. You can't I'm do my own law. You so do I. Doc Holliday. You're supposed to be dead. Queen was supposed Queen's to be... the one who's dead. I carry a knife in my boot just for men like him. Thorn. God help me. You are guilty. He sure is. And if he knows any prayers, he'd better get them over with. No, Doc. He goes back with us as our prisoner. You're wrong, Marshal. I'll take care of my son. Dad. No. You rotten, lying, murderous. Please, pup. please don't. I Dad. should have strangled Stand you in the cradle when you were. Stand away from the Don't you all. Manly, let out. I threw myself at Fenway and Buck, but hit the floor, rolling away 
Stay around a while, Doc. Yeah, we're good friends, Matt, but you're a peace officer. I guess I'm not a very peaceful man. <laughs> you could be, Doc. <laughs> no, I'm not going to change, and you shouldn't. Law needs men like you. No, if I stayed there, there's too good a chance I might cross you. Yeah. And I'd have to meet you over gun barrels, and it's one thing I'm afraid of. So long, Matt. Good luck, Doc. My. I never would have thought Doc Holliday was scared of meeting anyone in a gunfight. Hmm. You don't understand, Chester. Doc's afraid because he might beat me. Gunsmoke, under the direction of Norman MacDonald, stars William Conrad as Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal. Tonight's story was specially written for Gunsmoke by Herb Purdom, with music composed and conducted by Rex Corey. Featured in our cast were Harry Bartell as Doc Holliday, with Lee Millar, Nestor Piva, Ralph Moody, and Tom Tully. Parley Bear is Chester. Join us again next week. As Matt Dillon, U.S. Marshal, fights to bring law and order out of the wild violence of the West in Gunsmoke. Stay tuned for The Fred Allen Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for The Fred Allen Show with special guest Jack Benny. <laughs> The Ford Dealers of America present the Fred Allen Show. The Fred Allen Show with Fred's guest, a friend of nature boys named Jack Benny. Fulton Hoffa, Minerva Pius, Peter Donald, Parker Fenley, the DeMarco sisters, and Al Goodman and his orchestra. And this is Kenny Delmar speaking for your friendly Ford dealer. If you haven't yet seen the car of the year, the one and only new car in its field... By all means, ask your Ford dealer to show you the 49 Ford tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry that I haven't been here the last few weeks to introduce our star, but tonight I'm back. And here I am again, Portland Hopper. <laughs> Thank you, and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In Portland, where where have you been the last six weeks? Well, I have to stay home with Mama. Oh, really? Why? Mama lost a fortune. No, how? Every Sunday, Mama sat home, and they didn't call her. Who didn't call her? Stop the music. <laughs> oh, how, uh... <laughs> you can do better. You're just feeling them out. I... <laughs> how come you're, uh... <laughs> How come you're out tonight? Well, Mama got a sitter. Oh, a babysitter? No, they have sitters. 
sitters for Stop the Music. No kidding. Mm -hmm. If you want to go out, the sitter answers the phone and sits with the $18,000 until you get home. uh, They're the Lever Brothers again. Thank you, boy. (laughs) Say, if you were... Say, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's some profession, a quiz sitter. Oh, everybody's listening to Stop the Music. Oh, I know that. According to the latest Hooper survey, the only one who listens to our program is Edgar Bergen. <laughs> and even he's gone away, so tonight we're just... Radio programs today are giving everything away. I know. Radio is the Marshall Plan with music. <laughs> The slogan of the quiz program is, if you can't entertain people, give them something. (laughs) Just don't waste their time. Have them hanging around if nothing happens. You should change the name of this program to Stop the Comedy and give away new Fords. I should change it to Start the Comedy. (laughs) See, that's not a bad idea. Well, Portland, this is our last program for the summer. Is this the last? You'll mention Jack Eigen. Yes, it looks that way. <laughs> if there's anything, there's Mr. Eigen. Thank you, Mr. Eigen. In case we call on him for a personal appearance later, you know. If there's anything you'd like to say since this is our last program, you know, before we finish. Well, I have some things that you cut out during the winter. Oh, really? What things? I had a song. What was the title of the song? When they find out about phenobarbital in Tennessee, it'll be sleepy time down south. <laughs> I can't imagine why I cut that out. And I had some jokes. Really? What, uh, what jokes? What was about the man who ate nothing but radishes for 20 years? Ate radishes for 20 years? In his old age, he went down to Long Island and lived on the sound. <laughs> What what are you laughing at? Well, to me, that's very funny. Really? Well, if you ever came up before a juvenile jury for telling that joke, you would get 30 days in the playpen. (laughs) Say, it's getting late, Portland. I think I'd better start for Alan's Alley. What is your question tonight? Well, this is our last program. I'm just going down to the alley and say goodbye to our friends and to ask them where they plan to spend their vacations this summer. Shall we go? As the chorus girl said when the bee lit on her shin, I think I'll shake a leg. What a night in Allen's Alley, Portland. The front of Senator Claghorn's fence is gone. He must have given somebody the gate. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's see if the senator's in. I'll see somebody whap my watch this. Oh, it's you, son. Yes, Senator. Well, let's go, son. I'm busier than an Arthur Murray hostess trying to teach a pupil with St. Vitus dance. You're busy? Yeah, I've been over to Philadelphia attending that Republican convention. Oh. I ain't seen so much hot air since the night I opened the wrong door in that Turkish bath. <laughs> what about the Republican candidate, Senator? Well, uh, Dewey ain't never going to get little old Harry out of the White House. Who says so? Petrillo says so. Petrillo? <laughs> Nobody can take no piano player off of no job unless Patrillo says so. Well, I, uh, 
I imagine you saw some amusing sidelights at the convention, Senator. Yeah, I enjoyed one incident. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Senator? Well, one day my hat blew into a saloon. I stepped in to get it. A man was sitting at the bar asleep. Yeah? As I picked up my hat, the man woke up. He looked up at the television. Herbert Hoover was making a speech. Yeah? A man blinked his eyes and said, If Hoover is president, what am I doing with $3 in my pocket? <laughs> This is our last visit together. What are you going to do this summer? I'm going to the beach, son. I see. I'm going to put on my bathing suit. Yes? I'm going to sprawl out on that hot sand. Yeah? And then I'm going to do what all our senators do all the rest of the year in the Senate. What? Just keep lying. So long, son. So long, Eddie. Long, long, well, when the senator gets sprawled out, there'll be something new under the sun. Oh, well, let's, uh, let's wake up Mr. Moody. Howdy, Bob. <laughs> well, Mr. Moody, are you going away for vacation? Oh, I can't. I'm renting my barn for summer theater. Oh. <laughs> Last summer, I cleaned up. Made $180. $180. Well, what happened? Well, sir, one day I was out in the yard. Yeah? I was buttering the trees so caterpillars couldn't crawl up them. Yeah? And a fellow comes up. Yeah? He's carrying a bamboo cane, and in his tie, he's got a diamond. A diamond, eh? Yeah. It's as big as a Luton cough drop, and it's about the same yellow color. Yeah? I smelt donuts on this fellow's breath, so I knowed he was an actor. Yeah? He says, he says, Rube... I'm here to rent your barn for Orson Buskin and his touring Shakespearean players. Uh-huh. It's a deal, I says. Oh, he was the advance man. He didn't say. Oh, he didn't say. <laughs> the next day, Orson Buskin, his leading lady, Anna Cesario... Yeah. ...and the Shakespearean players arrived in town. They swung off a freight train. The, uh... <laughs> the actors, eh? Yeah. They looked like a mob that had just broke a hunger strike. I see. Well, sir, that night the show opened. It's Hamlet. Hamlet. All the Shakespearean actors is wearing long black underwear. Tights? Loose on most of them. <laughs> oh. The leading ladies was baggy. Oh. <laughs> In the back. Oh. Orson Buskin is strutting around the stage, holding a skull and saying... Alas, poor Boric, I knew him well. Well, how was the show? Rotten. <laughs> the audience throwed 200 eggs at the actors. Well, if the show was so bad the audience threw eggs, how did you make $180? I was in the lobby selling the eggs at 90 cents a dozen. So long. <laughs> well, with, with 200 eggs, Mr. Moody could lay on with McDuff. Oh, well, let's, let's try this next door. Ah, oh, Mrs. Nussbaum. Oh, you're wearing a corsage. What are those flowers? Lilies of the alley. <laughs> I see. In the center, there's a nasty urchin. Oh, the, uh, the nasty urchin looks pretty. My little niece is graduating Mrs. Buxbaum's finishing academy. Oh, and you're dressed up? You went to the graduation? My niece is valedictatorio. Oh, swell. She's reciting a poem. What was her class poem? She's calling it Ever Onwards. Ever Onwards. How does it go? Fare thee 
well, Mrs. Buxbaum's Finishing Academy. You lined us all that we are knowing. Yes. Never backwards, sideways, up or downwards, but ever onwards we are going. Say that. <laughs> well, tell me, Mrs. Nussbaum, where are you going on your vacation this year? No place. No? Last year, we are stopping by Kramer's Castle in the Catskills. And uh, you're not going back? Pierre is gaining 90 pounds. 90 pounds? How come? By Kramer's, when it is time to eating, they are blowing a bugle. A bugle, huh? The first day the bugle is blowing, we are eating breakfast. Uh-huh. Barely we are sitting on the veranda. Yeah. Again is blowing the bugle. Yeah. <laughs> we are going back, also eating again breakfast. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're coming out, again is blowing the bugle. You ate again? All day long is blowing the bugle. <laughs> and you and Pierre? Three breakfasts, two lunches with four dinners we are eating. And this kept up? Every day, so soon we are finished eating, Toots is blowing the bugle, <laughs> again we are having to eat it. Well, isn't that unusual, Kramer's Castle serving so many meals a day? Ultimately, they are discovering. Discovering what? Who is blowing the bugle is not Kramer. Well, who? <laughs> who then? In back of Kramer's Castle in the Catskills. Yes? Is living a Boy Scout, thank you. <laughs> Now, for the last time, let's call on Mr. Cassidy. Mr. Cassidy, you were. Mr. Cassidy, you have a black eye. I have that. I look as though my eyeball is passing through a total eclipse. Tell me, who gave you the peeper? Sure, nobody gave it to me. I had to fight half an hour to get it. <laughs> what, uh, what happened? Well, yesterday, you see, I was invited to a wedding. Yeah? Knocko Nolan's homely daughter married Mullet Muldoon's half-witted nephew. Oh, this was, <laughs> this was some affair. So at the wedding breakfast, I was suddenly taken frosty. Yeah? So says I to Knocko... I'll take a little punch. Uh-huh. With that, Knocko rolls up his sleeve and gives it to me. <laughs> well, Mr. Cassidy, are you and your eye going away for your summer vacation? Uh, now, why should I go away? What have they got any places that we haven't got here in New York? Well, they have water. Sure, we got sewers backing up on every street in the city. <laughs> well, they have scenery. Me front window overlooks a brewery. You can't find scenery any finer than that. <laughs> That's true. Uh, when the sun slowly sinks behind the big pile of steaming malt in the brewery yard, to the picture Fitzpatrick will never show you in a travelogue. But, but how can you escape the intense heat here in New York? Well, now, I, I, I do what Rinty Monahan does. What? Well, when the heat gets so bad, Rinty can't stand it. Yes? Rinty starts insulting Grogan the cop. Insulting him? Um, insulting him how? Well, Rinty yells at Grogan, Ah, your grandfather is gargantuan. Yes? Then he yells, Your aunt sleeps with her eyes open. Yeah. And for the clincher, he yells, Ah, your mother wears army shoes. <laughs> well, we just, Grogan the cop gets mad. Naturally. But how does Rinty escape the heat? Grogan calls the wagon. Yes. And rushes Rinty off to the municipal deep freeze. The municipal deep freeze? The cooler. The oh. <laughs> Farewell joint appearance the five DeMarco sisters and Maestro Al Goodman blend their talents to bring us fellow with an umbrella.
one who saved their love for a rainy day. I met a fella, a fella with an umbrella, waiting for the skies of blue to turn into skies of gray. Raindrops will bring us together, and that's what I long to see. Maybe a break in the weather will prove to be a break for me. Yes, Kenny? There's a policeman outside to see you. A policeman to see me? Well, why should a policeman... Shh, here he comes, Fred. You Fred Allen? Well, yes, officer. You work for the Ford dealers, don't you? Yes, officer. Allen, you got to stop talking about the new Ford car. You're violating the law. It's against the law to talk about the new Ford? You're causing crowds to congregate. Crowds? What crowds? All day there's crowds in front of that Ford dealer's window on Broadway. Oh, uh, don't worry about crowds blocking traffic in front of a Ford dealer's showroom officer. It's happening all over the country. Never mind all over the country. You got to get rid of them crowds on Broadway. Yeah, but, officer, that dealer is displaying the new 49 Ford. There never was a car like this before. It's new and revolutionary in its field. The new Ford is a big, roomy car, safer and more economical to operate. And it hits a new high and smooth, comfortable ride. Don't give me no commercial. Yeah, but, officer, the new Ford... <laughs> The new Ford is the talk of the automobile trade. It has the look of the year. In fact, it's the car of the year. You can't blame everyone for wanting to see it. I'm not blaming nobody. Just get rid of them crowds. Why, officer? I want to have a look at that new Ford myself. <laughs> Say, uh, Portland, Portland. Yes? We've got to get busy. This is our last program of the season at NBC, you know. I, I know. And as soon as we finish, I'll sweep out the studio. Yes, and give the broom back to the vice president in charge of brooms on, on the next floor. <laughs> and you know what else you have to do? Yes. I have to wipe off the acoustics. Yes, have the acoustics good and dry when we leave. Pick up any racing forms the musicians leave behind. And any polish, turn them right over to me. And when the program is over, if anybody in the audience is sleeping, yes. I'm to wake them up and tell them to go home until October. Right. Well, I guess that's everything, Portland. I'll say goodbye to you now. Have a nice vacation. I'll see you in the fall. Oh, are you going now? Yes, I have to. Jack Benny's sailing for England. I promised to see Jack off. I bought him this travel book. Look, Fielding's new travel guide to Europe. Say, it's late, Portland. I better start for Jack's hotel. So long, Portland. Ah, this must be the Benny suite. There's a do-bill sticking out under the door. I wonder if old Tacit Pockets is in. Oh, hello, friend. Jack Benny. Well, uh, well, Jack. Come on in, Fred. I'm packing. Oh, packing. Go right ahead. Sit down. 
Like something to drink? Uh, no, thanks. Coke, Seven Up, Crown Cola? No, no. I'm closing them out. They're only four cents a bottle. <laughs> Four cents with two straws. <laughs> two straws. Yeah, if you buy a bottle, I'll join you, and I hope you do. Sam Thirsty. No, no, Jack. I just came over to say goodbye. Well, I thought you'd be all packed. No, and I've been riding around on the subway all day. Why? It was my last chance. Last chance in the subway? Next Thursday, the fare goes up to ten cents. I'm riding while the price is right, brother. <laughs> but, Jack... Ten cents for a subway ride. Well, I didn't do if it. If Ralph Edwards hadn't made me the walking man, this would have done it. <laughs> I better finish packing, huh? Well, look, as you're packing, you can't pack this bathing suit, Jack. Look, it's still wet. I know. And what about this little package here? Oh, that's a carton of Lucky Strikes. I bought them in New Jersey, you know. Oh? <laughs> Well, why go all the way to Jersey to buy a carton of cigarettes? Oh, it's a nice trip. Besides, I saved 24 cents tax there. <laughs> well, how could you save 24 cents? It cost 20 cents to get to Jersey and back on the ferry. Well, I didn't go on the ferry. Well, how did you get across the Hudson River? Give me that bathing suit. I'll ring it. Up. Jack, be careful. One sleeve and the skirt are still dripping. <laughs> That's the trouble with these Annette Kellerman models. I told Annette the day she gave it to me. Yeah. Annette, I said, if you can keep it from dripping, you can make a fortune. Hey, I, I just remember, Jack, I brought you this book. Here, Fielding's New Travel Guide to Europe. Thanks, Fred, but I've got my trip all planned. Oh, where are you going to stay in England? Well, Ronnie and Benita Coleman recommended a place they said I'd like. Yeah? His Majesty's Trailer Camp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It's run by Sir Herbie Harrison. Sir Herbie? Yeah, he's the Howard Johnson of England. <laughs> well, you're all set. Where else are you going? Well, I may fly over to France for a week or two of, uh, parlez-vousing. Yeah? <laughs> they say, uh, have you, uh, have you got a place to stay in France? Yeah, you see, Charles Boyer gave me an address. Oh, a French trailer camp? No, it's Hildegard's aunt. Oh, <laughs> She rents rooms in the Eiffel Tower. Oh, in the, in the, uh, in the Eiffel Tower. Well, how are you going to get around? Do you speak French? Oh, I'm learning. I'm learning, Fred. We. Oui. We? Oui? That means us in French. <laughs> hey, no kidding. Yeah, listen to this, Fred. Qui accroche les rossignols suma petit? Oh, boy, do you rattle it off. That's a what? Uh, that's all French. Now, what does that mean in English? Who is hiding the nightingale under my strudel? <laughs> well, won't, uh, won't that be a difficult sentence to work into a conversation? <laughs> no, 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 no. You see, I'm carrying a nightingale with me. Oh. <laughs> strudel, I can get any place. <laughs> well, look, Jack, it's time to go. With my luck, that's the bellboy. Come in. Uh, are you ready to check out, Mr. Benny? Yes, boy, you can take my bag. Well, how about the tip, Mr. Benny? The tip? You haven't carried my bags down yet. I mean for carrying them up four days ago. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. I'll settle the whole thing in the lobby. You may have to break an annuity. 
Gents will be surprised. Uh, oh, come on, come on, Jack. Boy, don't squeeze that paper bag. It's my nightingale. Come on. Well, the lobby's... The lobby's empty. Jack, let's go over to the desk. You can check out. Okay, say, clerk. Oh, yes, Mr. Benny. Here's your bill. Thank you, clerk. I'll just check these items over oh, here. Oh, come on, Jack. It's getting late. I'll just be a minute, Fred. Let's see. I got my magnifying glass here. Let's see. <laughs> clerk, what is my total bill? Uh, $43.80. Mr. Benny has fainted. Yeah, he fainted the last time he was here. He's got to make that boat, clerk. Bellboy, carry these bags and Mr. Benny out to the cab. Boy, put Mr. Benny down until his bill is paid. <laughs> but, clerk, Mr. Benny's unconscious. Then go through Mr. Benny's pockets and get the money. Well, all right. Oh, shoot. What's wrong? His pockets are locked. <laughs> Boy, put Mr. Benny in the safe until he comes to. But he'll miss the boat, clerk. I'll pay the bill. It's $43.80. Here you are. Thanks. Boy, you carry Mr. Benny's bags. I'll carry Mr. Benny and his nightingale. Well, Jack, here's your boat. Yes, sir. The Queen Beulah. I've heard of the Queen Mary and the Queen Elizabeth. Well, this is a sister ship. The Queen it? Bueller? Yeah, she's really a stepsister. Oh, a step. <laughs> Say, this man coming with the wet anchor, he must be the captain. Ahoy, mate. Welcome to the Queen Bueller. Shiver me timbers, I'm glad to have you aboard. Well, I'm not sailing, Captain. I'm seeing Mr. Benny off. Uh, very well, I'll check your passport, Mr. Benny. Here you are. Hmm. Something wrong? Well, this picture. <laughs> well, Captain, you know... Passport pictures. But this is a shrunken up old bloke with no hair and no teeth. But, uh... I can't accept this passport, Mr. Benny. This picture ain't you. But, Captain... Jack, you want to get to England, don't you? Yeah. You better take off your toupee. <laughs> All right. There you are, Captain. Well, that takes care of the scalp. Jackie. Yes? You better take out your teeth. <laughs> Okay. How's that, Captain? Well, now you resemble the picture, Mr. Benny. You're a shrunken up old bloke. All the embarrassing things. I bet Lana Turner didn't go through all of this. <laughs> Jack, Jack, quit complaining. It's your own fault. Where was the picture taken? Warner Brothers. They do it to me every time. <laughs> all right now, Mr. Benny, if you'll give me your ticket, I'll show you to your cabin. My ticket? Uh, yes. Maybe you, maybe you put it in your stocking with your money. No, no, I'm wearing liquid stocking. Oh, it can't be. <laughs> well, don't, don't bother looking, sir. I'll just check the list. Now, you're traveling first class, Mr. Benny. First class? Yes. Well, not exactly. Oh, if you're going second class, that's three flights down. Okay, Fred, take my luck. Right, Jack. I've got everything. It's down these stairs. Say, Jack, this package under my left arm, it seems to be getting bigger. It's probably unfolding. It's a deck chair. <laughs> you, brought, you brought your own deck chair? You know, they rent them here, you know. <laughs> Say, who is this woman coming up the stairs? She's blowing up water wings there. Can I help you, gentlemen? I'm the matron, second class. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? May I see your ticket, Mr. Benny, please? My ticket? Don't bother. I'll check your name. You're sailing second class? Well, not exactly second class. 
Oh, third class, that's three flights down. Thank you. It's down here, Fred. Just follow me. Jack, I don't get it. A guy with your money can certainly afford to travel first or second class. Fred, I may be a lot of things, but there's one thing I'll never be. What's that? A snob. A snob. <laughs> A snob? When I travel, I like to be with people. Well, if you go any lower, you'll be with fish. <laughs> well, I think we're in third class now. Gosh, I'm going to look funny in my beret. Everybody down here is wearing babushkas. All right, <laughs> gents. Uh, welcome to third class. Who are you? The sword and chance. Oh, will you show Mr. Benny to his cabin? Cabin? You mean hammock, don't you, bud? <laughs> Well, all right, to his hammer. That's better. What's your number, Buster? Number? Yeah, didn't you get a number with your ticket? My ticket? You're third class, ain't you? Well... Check, you... (laughs) You must be third class. I'll check. Steward? Yeah? Is the coast clear? Yeah. Sam sent me. (laughs) Oh, Sam sent you. Oh, that's two flights down. Two more flights? Yeah, go through the decompression chamber and turn left. <laughs> Come on, Fred. <laughs> what is this? Who is Sam? A sailor I met at Roseland. He <laughs> said if I ever went on the Queen Beulah to mention his name. Here we are, Fred. Put the bags down. Gosh, it's dark in here, Jack. It sure is. Hey, Jack. Something is licking my face. No kidding? It's a a cow. Why, the place is crawling with cows. Good, I'll have fresh milk all the way over. Jack Benny, the star of the Lucky Strike program. You, You think you are on the contented hour. Fred, not so loud. How can you travel down in the bottom of this boat? No room, no bed. Shh, Fred, quiet. Well, you can't stay in here with all of these cows. They can't do this for you, Jack Benny. I'll get the cap. Fred, will you shut up? Shut up. You're going to England, aren't you? Yes. You've got your ticket, haven't you? Well, you <laughs> haven't got a ticket. I knew you were cheap, but going to Europe as a stowaway. Look, Alan, give me my nightingale and go already. Benny, you can't get away with this. The captain will find you down here with all these cows, and then what are you going to say? Moo. Thank Jack Benny for dropping in. After tonight, ladies and gentlemen, we won't be here to remind you that your Ford dealer extends you a standing invitation to stop in and let him show you the new Ford. He'll be glad to have you get inside a new Ford and handle the controls. And he will also explain the new engineering features to you. Everyone saying the new Ford is the car of the year, you'll say the same thing after you visit your Ford dealer. Thank you, and good night until October 3rd. Thank you. Good night. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's The Hermit's Cave, followed by Edgar Bergen and Charlie McCarthy. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor.
Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.